Miredi Football Podcast, David Lawson alongside Stefan Hosen and a special guest, Lemar Nicholson. He's been listening to the podcast for quite a while. He asked to come on. He's a Manchester United fan. So always want to have a different perspective. So this is going to be another Manchester United-centric podcast. Stefan, it seems every time I talk to you, we're always talking Manchester United. Yep, well, they seem to be the topic of the hour. Um, glad to have Lemar here. I think he wanted a therapy session, so welcome to him. And um, let's get right into it. Well, you know, I talked to Stefan throughout the week and during the matches, so I'm looking forward to a different perspective. Maybe be educated a little bit. Doubt it, but we <laughs> shall see. So, we shall see. So, Lemar, Manchester United fan, another Manchester United-centric podcast. Just give me your opinions on Manchester United so far this season. Well, I'm, I'm first slightly offended that you refer to me as a fan. Um, I do not wear that hat. But yes, so Manchester United, um, I have been a disgrace in my eyes. Um, and that goes from every level, from the, from the top to the bottom. And it, it, it lands squarely at the feet of the people that are making decisions at the top. And um, I think it just culminated yesterday in an embarrassment from top to bottom again, I feel like Manchester United, everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong at the same time. And once Martial got the red card, it was all over. Okay, Lamar, I want to back up there one second. We talk mm -hmm. about from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. I was watching ESPN FC today and they had put on a graphic about how much Manchester United has spent. Mm -hmm. I trust ESPN FC's logic in terms of their statistics that's their stats sorry bruno fernandez 67.7 million pogba 95 million this is pounds harry maguire 78 million marshall 50 million rashford and greenwood were free but both are extremely talent talented one basaka 50 million right matic 40 million pounds, right? Mm -hmm. We are taught, oh, let me not forget, Luke Shaw, 30 million pounds. Bailly, 30 million pounds. This is a team that is very expensive and they have, Stefan and I spoke that the pieces don't fit. So in that regard, I do blame the top in terms of that they've put pieces together that don't fit. But here's my question to you though. Why does the pieces not fit? Because we have successively hired managers, and I do not know why, we, why I said we, but we have hired managers with competing philosophies and they have had competing signings. And as soon as the signings get to where we want them to be or, or start to go on a path where we want them to be, the, ma the manager gets fired and then we start all over. So there has been no cohesive plan to get Manchester United where we want them to be. Stefan, I wanted to jump to you, but before I jump to you, this gentleman was offended that I call him a fan, but the first time he speaks on Manchester United, he says Exactly. <laughs> I just want, to, just want to get that out there, Mr. Offended. Anyway, <laughs> Stefan. Yes, sir. There is no reason for Manchester United to be outplayed by Brighton. There is no reason for Manchester United to be losing to Crystal Palace, a team that struggles to pass the ball. They pass the ball the least in the Premier League because they have a terrible manager. 
There is no reason for Manchester United to be struggling against Tottenham. And this is, to me, indicative of a problem. The team seems to have quit on the manager. Marshall's red card, which if you want to say it's a red card, then it's also a red card on Lamella, right? His yeah. reaction to Lamella is a frustrated football player, right? You look at this Manchester United team. They went out against Spurs. Spurs did not set out to outplay them. They had Sissoko in the midfield. They had Ndombele in the midfield. Those two players are not put in the midfield to dominate and dictate the play, right? Yet Manchester United completely collapsed. In your view, who takes the blame for what's happened so far? Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, I do agree that it starts at the top. I think Manchester United over the last, what, let's say, when was Fergie, when did Fergie leave? 2013? When did, yeah, 2013. That would be seven years. I think Manchester United have made seven years worth of bad decisions and it culminates in where they are right now. Um, as Lemar said, they've hired a succession of managers who have had different ideologies, different philosophies and different ideas. And when you do that, um, all you're going to do is create conflict on and off the field. There's no plan. There's no long-term vision. And short-term success has been the guys that they've gone for. They went for that with Louis Van Gaal. They went for that with Jose Mourinho. And now they're back to Ole Gale Solskjaer with a different ideology. And there's definitely just no way that you can have so many changes in such a short period of time. I know seven years seems long, but it really isn't. There's no way you can have so much change in so much short of a time and have success. It just doesn't make any sense. You have to follow a path. You have to say, this is where I want to, to end up, point Z, but you have to go through A, B, C, D. You can't just skip through the alphabet and get to X. Well, when you look at Manchester United, Lamar, right? Everyone is going to talk about the problems yesterday. It's always like, what are the solutions? They recently just signed a backup center forward in Cavani, which I think is a good signing. He's an experienced player. He's coming on the bench. He's someone to have. I don't think it's a problem. They recently just signed a left-back in Telus, Brazilian left-back from Porto, right? So there is some form of reinforcements, right? They have a midfielder who's supposed to be one of the best midfielders from Holland, right? If he cannot get into this midfield, then why was he purchased? This midfield. Um, I spent a considerable portion of last season complaining about the midfield because we had Fred, we had Andreas Pereira, who is absolutely useless. We had Scott McTominay, who we know is not a passer. And we had a Matic that looked like he, he, he didn't want to play football anymore. And we have had significant improvements in that midfield. And now we are still at a point where we're talking about that midfield. I think that what Manchester United has is a crisis of leadership. On a football field, you have to have people on the pitch that know how to direct the younger players and know how to respond to certain situations. Manchester United has players all throughout the pitch that should be the leaders and they are essentially not doing their job. It starts with David De Gea as a goalkeeper. He, you know, is not, a, he is not a commanding presence. He does not command the box. He does not command his de defenders properly. And that, that, that is what really blighted him against being called the best goalkeeper in the world, even when he was by far the best shot stopper in the world. 
in the defense, the back four, you have Harry Maguire, who, in my opinion, should never have gotten that captaincy. Throughout the midfield, you have another man that should be the captain, but is far away from being captaincy material. You have Paul Pogba. For me, Paul Pogba has never made sense for Manchester United. If you want Paul Pogba to play as it, at his optimum, you have to have Paul Pogba running this team. You have to tell Paul Pogba that this is your team and run it. But essentially, you have given that, 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 that superior role or that more important role to Bruno Fernandes, a man that has just come in and you have him playing in the 10, where that's the only place I could see Paul Pogba being effective. In Stephon. the forward line. Yes, sorry, sir. sorry, Lemar. I want to direct something that you said towards Stefan. Uh-huh. Because Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandez. Before you get to Bruno Fernandez, we spoke about Paul Pogba recently. Paul Pogba is by any definition in the world a top five midfielder based on talent, central midfielder over the last 10 years, right? I disagree. It's just not happening for him. Stefan, last time we spoke, we spoke about Paul Pogba being in trouble in terms of he's in a situation where he's in a team that doesn't fit him. Whether it's yep. a team of young players or seasoned players, it's like it's all mixed match. Paul Pogba, as I said before, should be sold. Not because he's not a good player, but because he doesn't fit. When you look at Paul Pogba, who's recently recovering from COVID, as we should say, what is his problem and how can he, in your view, play better? Uh, I think the main problem for Papa was it's his fifth season at Manchester United. And I think I've said this um, every season since he's been there. I have never got the impression that Manchester United have set up either their team or Pogba in a position for him to be his optimal best. I don't, I don't like him deep. We've seen him play deep for France and be successful, but I've always said in international football, that's not the way to gauge a talent because it's seven games at the end of the season and international football is all about organization and a bit of luck in all honesty. Um, Paul Pogba for 38 games a season, deep in midfield is an absolute waste of his talents. It's an absolute waste of Manchester United's finances. And the only way I could ever see him being successful for Manchester United is if he was in a system where that midfield was being played through him. I've always thought that Paul Pogba's best position should be closer to the 18-yard box, the opposition's 18-yard box. Not his own, which is what the case is right now, but the opposition's where he can be getting shots on target, making final passes, challenging goalkeepers. I've always thought of him as a better version of what Yaya Toure came to the Premier League and, um, and became. Right now, he's not that. He's the opposite. He's what Yaya Toure used to be at Barcelona, a defensive midfielder um, with some flashy skills here and there that shows people that he has talent. But right now, there, I don't think there's any way for him to be successful at Manchester United because the pieces just don't fit. Bruno Fernandes is there, and with Bruno Fernandes there, he's always going to start in front of him because that's why Manu bought him. So I wasn't on board with you 100% last week when you said that if things continue, they should get rid of him. But... I'm going to say my mind's kind of been changed. I, I do see where you're coming from because long-term success, I don't think Bruno and Pogba are going to get Manchester United to a level that they need to get to. Sounds like you're finally learning. But Lemar, <laughs> when I look at Manchester United and Pogba, like for example, if they had Conte in the midfield and they had Jorginho or 
that somebody who could get Pogba the ball. I think the dynamics, I don't think Pogba is a 10. I remember speaking of Jose, you know, coincidentally enough, who, who former Manchester United manager, he considered Cesc Fabregas a seven. Um, not, a, um, not a wide seven, but a midfield seven. He's not an eight, but he's not a six. He's mm -hmm. a seven. That type of player that is not going to be box to box, but is skillful enough to create and has enough steel about him to sit in possession and dictate. And that is where I think like Paul Pogba, I don't think he, he is, his situation is not so much to have a 10 in front of him, but have a, another box to box beside him. And then you have the hole in midfielder behind him, right? That is what I think is missing. Like you have that deep midfielder who can get him the ball and then you have a more defensive minded, but versatile player who can go up and down. Maybe it'd be a Gundogan, for example, um, who has enough skills and flair on the ball to get in the ball. Like, if they were, if Manchester United were serious, Lemar and Stefan, they would have really decided, okay, we're going to completely go with Thiago beside Pogba, and then we're going to have a midfielder behind them, and that's going to be the midfield. And I think that would have worked. But when you spend money on Bruno Fernandes, and that's where now I'm going to take it to you now, Lemar. Bruno Fernandes, I said it last week, very good football player. His penalty stats overrate him, right? But he does many things very well. His crossing accuracy is very good. It's 35%, um, which is very, very good, you know. He has decent long passes, attempted long passes, successful. I don't want to pull up a lot of stats. So he has tremendous talent. So how is how are they going to, for the rest of this season, how do you think they should try and fit Fernandez and Pogba in that midfield? You know, that is a very, very difficult question to answer. And it's just because they are just so similar in that both of them want to play in the same area. And I saw Paul Pogba venture forward a few times yesterday. And that's normally not what he has done. Um, Paul Pogba in that deeper role, it's actually his worst position because it's, it's bringing out the worst bits of Paul Pogba. In possession, I really, really fear him because he has a way of dilly-dallying on the ball and, and losing it in dangerous areas. So you mentioned N'Golo Kante, and I think Kante would have been a perfect player to play beside him because he offers that energy that Paul Pogba definitely does not have because he has looked sluggish for the longest time. And that's another problem with Manchester United. And I think that Thiago um, Alcantara would have been a really good player to put this alongside him and have someone like Akante who could not only sit but actually get around and, and compensate for his lack of um, agility. Um, as it relates to, to Manchester United, probably you could have to have a Scott McTominay in there. It's got to that level. And I don't think Scott is a really a particularly great player. But he is a fighter, and we lack a lot of steel in that midfield. I saw where Ali, Ali at halftime, that is why he had to bring on Scott and Fred, because he knew that they were fighters. But, you know, I think that even so, the wind was just knocked out of Manchester United. I don't think that they have um, stopped playing for the manager. I, I, I just thought that they were demoralized by um, Harry Maguire and his shenanigans. I just think that everything that could have gone wrong. And I don't think that it's a fair reflection of the team. I think that it's a learning moment. And I think that this is a turning point of their season, one way or the other. Good luck with the learning moment. <laughs> Stefan, <laughs> yes, um, 
Because if Scott McTonnell me is the answer to the question, I don't want to ask that. That, that is a very difficult question because we have, <laughs> we have bought incorrectly. We have spent a lot of money, but what is being overlooked is that we have overspent. Here's what Those I would being quoted are way inflated. Harmaguay Here, is not an 80 million player. Here's what I would suggest Manchester United do. Stefan and Lamar. Change the shape of the midfield, right? Bring Bruno Fernandes from outside the 10 and have two shuttling midfielders, right? If that doesn't work, you move Bruno to the left, have him play as a central mid midfielder, see if he can do anything there like David Silva used to do, or as we see Mares do, or as we see Foden sometimes do for Manchester City. And then you bring Van der Beek in because the reason why you bought him so you have Van der Beek, you have Paul Pogba as your two, has an eight and a seven in the midfield. You keep Matic in because I don't trust any other others, right? You go with either Rashford and Marshall as your number nine. And, but this is a problem is, no, you don't have that wide player that they should have bought. But hey, you still have Greenfo Green, Greenwood, Mason Greenwood. You have Tellers at left, left wing. So now with him going forward, giving that extra dynamic play, that should allow Bruno Fernandes to come off of the wing and link, link plays. Plus, Paul Pogba, as I said, as that seven, he can now interchange from the left, left midfield, left attacking midfield position. He can interchange with Bruno Fernandes. He can make a diagonal run um, across the midfield. So, and he knows he has Matic there. So that left side can be very versatile. But my problem, Stefan, is, is the same thing that I spoke about if Manchester United was signed Jack Grealish. I was like, I don't trust the manager to be able to use all of those players. Yep. <laughs> That's where I was going to go with it as well. Um, with the signing of Alex Telles, like I brought it up in the last podcast, um, Porter. This guy is a flyer of a left back. I think he scored near 15 goals last year, eight assists, something like that. So the idea, I, I assume, is that he's going to come into that wing and he's going to fly. He's going to go up and down that wing and it's going to be his. So why not play Bruno in the front three? Take him out of that midfield. Because as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things Bruno does well. I don't particularly think he does anything defensive in that midfield. I think he actually hurts them a lot. Similar to, to what um, De Bruyne does for Manchester United, but I think Manchester, Manchester City, sorry. Um, when he's in that three, there is obviously some defensive um, repercussions. Nothing wrong with that because when you're the type of player he is and he gets the results going forward, that's fine. But I don't think he's getting the results unless it's a set piece or a dead ball. So take him out of the midfield three, put him further up, get him closer to the goal, rearrange that midfield, Van de Beek and Pogba in there and have, and have Telles flying. Hopefully that's the idea. But with Ale, I don't know if he's sophisticated enough to pull that off. And he's not and Bruno Fernandes is not intricate enough. Lamar, that what do you think? No, I'm, I'm certain um, Ole can't do what you're proposing. Um, he's struggling with, with what he has now, and we've seen his in-game management is poor. Um, I've been one to say, don't fire the manager, but we have to uh, recognize his limitations. Um, you know, I briefly thought about actually changing the shape even more radically, and I think this is where some Antonio Conte tactics could come in. Think about it. If the defense is our weakest um, area and you have an Alex Tears coming in and I'm just sorry that Diego Dalat has gone out on loan but just to think that we could actually change it to a back three or a back five um, free tellers get rid of Shaw which is a, who is a major liability in that team 
and then you could rearrange that midfield to have three in that midfield with Pogba the most advanced and you have a Bruno who can still have some license because of that extra defensive cover and then you'd have um, Marshall and Rashford starting with Greenwood so you have more depth off the bench and also a Cavani to come on or you could have Pogba and Pogba and Matic in that midfield sitting or Van der Beek and Matic in that midfield sitting. I think that's the best use of Manchester United's resources because I do not see this team keeping attacks at bay. If, if Son and Kane are going to do that to you, I shudder to think what Liverpool and, and City will do. Well, okay. Stefan, I do agree with what Lemar has said. I actually don't mind that because yeah. I think Marshall and Rashford up front, I think there is some versatility, natural versatility where they don't need that coaching. Something I've always talked about with England. Um, a shout out to Adama Lukman. I saw him play for Fulham yesterday. That's the type of player who should be playing for England. Players who can instinctively do things. So you can look at Marshall and Marshall who can pull wide and he can get some runs down the middle. So in that regard, I could see I do think that I don't think Shaw should be taken out of the team. I, I just think personally Manchester United's defense, which was pretty good last year, is just going through a tough time. It's just one of those times where they're going through a tough time. No different than Liverpool is going through. Um, I think, as I said, Harry Maguire is a type of football player, Stefan and Lemar, who looks, when he's bad, he looks very, very bad. Oh, but man. <laughs> he looks like Phil Jones. Yeah, yeah. Phil Jones is, but honestly, Phil Jones is not as good as Harry Maguire. Never me, was. Harry Maguire yeah, I, had, the, I, I, had the problems. Yeah. Had the problems recently. He has come back poor, right? And yeah. he has to deal with the, you know, responsibility of a high, high wage packet, high transfer fee. And whenever he plays, if he plays well for two months, the moment he has a bad game, people are going to bring it up, right? For example, Harry Maguire has made more clearances in less games than Van, than Van, than Dyke this season, right? He's made the same amount of interceptions, same amount of blocks, right? He, they've actually, he's recovered one less ball, right? He's lost possession less, but granted, you know, they've played less games. But So if you look at Harry Maguire and Van Dyke, both have played pretty poorly at the start of the season. I thought Harry Maguire was pretty good last year, but his bad games really shone, right? I think, I think he's a very good player who will never be world-class. Van Dijk is world-class having a bad spell, but I do think that Harry Maguire will play well. He's just in a bad spell. I think Bai is just not good. Yeah. I'd say Lamar, I don't know what you agree. I've been hearing this for quite a while, but Bai, he's just not good. I think I think United fans tend to 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 rate him a lot. Um, I do not share Why? your sentiments because I think he's he's just he has a mistake in him every game, and you can't love. I think he's like Jones as it, at his worst. That that is how I describe him. He's very wild. He'll give away a penalty. He'll get a red card. He'll fly into some tackle, give away a, a free kick in a dangerous position. That is how I view everybody. I think defensively. There, there are two aspects of defending. I think like an old-fashioned defender, like what Jose Mourinho loves. I think that's exactly what, how you can describe both of them. But in, that, in, in saying that, they have major flaws in that, in that big mistake that you, can't, that you can't legislate for and you can't allow for as a club like Manchester United. So I think there are positives to him, but the negatives are just so bad. 
And where does that leave Manchester United? Stefan, speaking of the defense, you know, um, you yeah. know, I think they need to simplify everything. Lamar, I do agree with that three. You know, my idea was a bit more complex, which we both we all agreed. I don't think Manchester United could do, but part part partially part of my thinking is I really want Rashford to play as a nine as he's one of my favorite players but Juan Basaka has also had a terrible start to the season um he started in that civil game where he was trash Mm -hmm. and it has continued um that needs to be sorted out yeah um very interesting ideas regarding defense um very interesting views I particularly don't disagree with either of you I do believe Maguire is a good player. I've always believed he's a good player. And I thought he and Juan Bissaka obviously made key improvements on the defense last season. The numbers speak for themselves. The eye test spoke for itself as well. If you disagree, um, I feel like you're just being ignorant. But as you've said, both of them have started this season absolutely horrendously. And the fact that Harry Maguire had that incident in the summer in Greece, only shunned the spotlight on him even more. The fact he got the captain's armband almost immediately shunned the light on him more. His wage packet, his transfer fee, he clearly has a microscope on him. And from what I saw yesterday, what I thought about Maguire was he just seems so incredibly desperate to make an impact. And when you're trying too hard to make an impact, the mistakes will flow. Like It started off with that mistake heading it into Bay, heading it back to the goalkeeper. And once he made that mistake, you could tell that he wanted to make amends. Fouled Shaw for some reason. Then he fouled for the second one. He's just trying too hard. I don't know how you get that out of him, but he needs to calm down. I do like the idea of a back three. I do like that idea because I've always said, if you don't have two good centre-halves, the best way to get two good centre-halves on the field is to play three of them. Manchester United need to play three centre-halves probably to get a decent back two. Yeah, I think they need to simplify it and then work on it. But we, we need to wrap up this podcast, um, gentlemen. Any final thoughts? Um, what are your expectations going forward? And I think, Stefan, we, uh, we have to give our top four um, transfer window. Should be closed now, right? Uh, it should be closed by the end of today, actually. Okay, well, we can give an unofficial, official thing after Lamar gives us his final thoughts on Manchester United and where he thinks they can go forward. You ask what I expect. Um, I expect the same thing that Patrice Evra expects, which is not... That was hilarious, by the way. Patrice Evra's breakdown. (laughs) I understand it, but I'll never be that type of fan. Oh, he's back to being a fan, David. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I've pretended to be a fan for this entire podcast because I was brought on as a fan. Okay, okay. I was brought on as a fan, so I pretended to be a fan. All I right. do not see Manchester United making the top four at this rate. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. I think that yesterday, however, was a one-off occurrence. And I think that Manchester United not making the top four is more so about the opponents rather than Manchester United. I think that Manchester United are weak defensively and that will continue to be exposed at this rate unless there's some tactical shift from Ole or something that he can do to influence the minds of these players. And if Paul Pogba gets out of his head and just starts to play, because when Paul Pogba gets into his head and and tries to do too much, as we've said about Maguire, that's where we just fall apart. 
So I think I think there there's hope, but I'm not holding out too much hope because the the rivals are there, and you've you've even seen Everton. Everton look really good. I can't say that Manchester United is even in the top six at this point, but I expect us to fight for the top four. But I just see us missing out, especially the Champions League. Well, they need to figure out what's going on. And as I said, Mason Greenwood is a centre forward. They have three centre forwards. Um, two of them, Marshall and Rashford, I think are their best players. And both of them are fighting for a position. Rashford's versatility is allowing him to make an impact from time to time from the left. And if they can find a way, and I still don't understand why Manchester United has decided that they would never try to play 4-4-2 again to make the field big and see if they could get, get on the... Get on the front foot that way. Anyway, quickly though, gentlemen, Stefan, going to you. Yes, sir. Give me, give me your um top four, unofficial, official, and then next week we can say if that's the official. Okay, unofficial, official. Let's start from where it was, unofficially, unofficially. Previously, yeah. it was City, Liverpool, Manu, Spurs, Chelsea, and the Chelsea fans really came for me for doubting them. I'm gonna switch it up. As I said, was likely to happen. Liverpool, I previously said, would lose it because they weren't refreshed enough. They've signed Jota and Thiago, the best central midfielder in the world. Liverpool are going to win the Premier League. Yesterday was an anomaly. They're still going to win the Premier League. I'm going to go City second, um, Spurs third. So have them over Manu. Manu fourth, Chelsea, you're staying fifth. Come for me, Chelsea fans. Come for me. You're lucky. If you're predicting Manchester United to come forth, I have some land beside us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lamar, you, um, I'll, I'll leave you to go last. As I said, I thought that Manchester City would come first and then Thiago was signed. I felt Liverpool would fall back and that has happened. Um, they've played so well for two and a half years. It's just been phenomenal football from them. And we saw with Aston Villa yesterday. So, but Thiago is there, you know. I'm, I'm just gonna, st- I'm, I'd rather be wrong, um, I'd rather be wrong once than be wrong twice. So I'm still gonna stick with City, but I move Liverpool to second. I have Chelsea third, and fourth. <laughs> I'm going to say, I really don't want to say Tottenham. I really don't want to say it, but I'm gonna have to say it. Arsenal. I'm going with Arsenal. I think Arteta has figured out a lot of things with that team. And they, so far, look like a team that can grind out enough results and beat out Everton and Tottenham for that fourth spot. You know what I think? I think that there's a storm brewing at Manchester City. Um, To the tune of what, I do not know. But I think it's a negative storm. I think David Silva, their most important player, has left. Lemar just said David Silva was their most important player. He has always been their most important player. Just so anyone who doesn't know, Lemar is the king of the De Bruyne fan club. (laughs) Just everyone. I've always said that. I've always said that. I've never heard you say that before. I've always said that. But in relation to the top four, top four, I previously, before the signing of Thiago, had had City winning and overturning, but I'll say Liverpool won. City two, reluctantly, because of Jose Mourinho, Spurs three, Chelsea four, Manchester United five, Everton six, Arsenal seven. Okay. 
Well, we shall see. Um, shout out to any football players over the weekend that you saw good. I already gave a shout out to Lukman, a player who I think should be on the England team. I like, uh, like how he plays. Shout out to Jack Grealish, who had three assists, two goals. Really hope Southgate gives him a run. Any other shout outs? No. Uh... Oh, and Pepe. Pepe, player that I've been very hard on. Um, I don't think he's top. I don't think he's world class. Don't think he'll get to top class, but if he can be very good for Arsenal, scored a very good goal. Um, congrats to him. And hey, have them coming fourth now, so he better be very good. Because William. Shout out to William. William. Shout out to William. He's looking superb. One good game in four. Anyway. <laughs> All right, All right gentlemen, I'm off. Have a good day. Peace. Uh, peace.